Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. It's, it's going to be amazing when we get to heaven and we reconnect with people that we used to be really close with and God took them to another place, sometimes another country, a foreign land like Texas, and, and uh, sometimes to, you know, God, God just brings you people into your life for a time. Every relationship on earth is temporary, but uh, they're going to last forever, just not in the way that we have them here. We're going to spend eternity together on the new heaven and the new earth with those who have trusted Christ as Savior. What a rich blessing that we have. We're doing a series called, What Are You Thinking About Heaven? The idea is to get you thinking about heaven more and more accurately. And last week we looked at heaven is a real place. A real place, not just being imaginary, not something elusive and mysterious, but a real place. And today we're going to look at something that some people don't like to talk about, but it's a truth about heaven, and that is that heaven is a restricted place. Heaven is a restricted place. If you'll turn to John 14, heaven is for believers only. For believers only. We're going to look at John 14. We're going to look at several other passages within the book of John uh, and and just think about what the Bible really teaches about who gets into heaven and who doesn't. Okay? So in John 14, Jesus begins with these words. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, you notice this is in red ink if you have a red letter edition. Uh, but it's also a continuation from chapter 13. The chapter breaks were added later. They're not part of the original manuscript. And in chapter 13, Jesus is warning Peter that Peter's going to deny Christ. And then in spite of the, knowing that Peter would deny Christ, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Basically, he said, look, you're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to fail so bad, it's going to drive you nuts. But don't let your heart be troubled. Trust and believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus always shared the truth with those who follows him. And then he said, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is a real place. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. But Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your rich, rich blessings that you give us. We thank you for your love, for your grace, that you called us to salvation, that you gave us the spiritual strength to respond to that calling that we have believed and trusted in Christ. And Lord, if there are those here today who have not trusted Christ, I pray that this very day would be their spiritual birthday. We 
recognized a few physical birthdays earlier today, but the spiritual birthday is so much more important because that's eternal. Lord, we thank you that we can gather in your house, that we can listen to your word, that we can sing songs of praise to you. And now we ask that your Holy Spirit would speak into our lives. Let each one of us hear what you need us to hear. Let us be challenged. Let us be encouraged in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. <laughs> Heaven is restricted. It's a restricted place. Now we're familiar with restricted areas. Like if you go to the airport, there's signs up saying this area is restricted. There's limited access. You go in the hospital, there's certain wings of the hospital that the average person cannot get into. Uh, go to government buildings and there's certain areas that this is off limits. Uh, go to laboratories and certain labs. They the, Some labs, people can come and go and other ones, they're closed off and the workers can't even get in there unless they're gowned and, and everything covered up. We even know about restricted access nations, praise God. We don't live in one, but we know about restricted access nations. But some people get the idea that heaven should be open to all. That the God who loves humanity should want to see every one of us in heaven. And I think that's partially true. God would desire to see you in heaven. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But God has a rule for who can get in and why they can get in. So universalism says we're all going to end up in heaven. It'll all be great. All the divisions of humanity will be forgotten. We'll all end up in heaven because God loves us too much to leave us in hell. Ecumenism says that it doesn't really matter what faith you have because all faiths lead to the same place. All faiths lead to heaven. And that's not at all what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus himself said. When Jesus was asked, he said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus says, heaven has only one point of entry, faith and trust in him. Faith and trust in Jesus is the only way into heaven. Now, when you came in here today, uh, you came in through the glass doors, most likely. All the other outside doors were locked, so that's the easiest place to come into uh, if you don't have a key. If you have a key, there's several other doors you could have come into. Uh, but for heaven, there's only one door. There's only one way in. There's only one point of access. And that point of access is through Jesus Christ. Now, anybody can get in, but not everybody will get in. As Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the way, and broad is the way. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. The words of Jesus saying, there's only one way. Heaven 
has only one point of entry, faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now, if you still have your Bibles and you're still in the book of John, uh, we're going to look at a couple other passages in John. Jump back to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and it talks about the, the very beginning, before God created the heaven and the earth, there was just God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, but we're going to jump down in the middle of that dialogue that John has about God and who he is and what he does in verse 12. But as many as receive him, Jesus Christ, God the Son, as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, I don't know if you ever watched Star Trek, The Next Generation, but there was a group called the Borg, and the Borg would say, you will be assimilated, and they would just suck everybody into their thing. Well, uh, Jim Reeves said that to me years ago, you will be assimilated. And, and uh, I, Ryan's dad and Jerry's husband, Jim, was one of my very best friends, and, and we were brothers, just brothers of a different mom, and, and we were really close. But Jim would always assimilate people into the family, and, and he would say, you're now family. Uh, but Christ, when, when he makes us sons of God, there is no, I mean, I love Jim, and I was very close to Jim. But Jim had a closeness with his brother Ed that was a little closer than his closeness with me. And he had a closeness with his son Ryan and other kids that was closer than his closeness with me. Because they were not only family in the Lord, but they were family biologically. And so there was a closeness there. But when God makes us his kids, we all have equal footing. It's not like... Uh, you know, well, you came to Christ before I did, so you're closer to God than I am. No, uh, no, we all, if you got saved today, you would have just as close an opportunity, have just as much closeness with God the Father through Jesus as I have, even though I've been a Christian for more than 30 years. Uh, some of you have been Christians for more than 50 years, and yet we have the same access to God the Father through Christ. He makes us family. We're children of God. We are assimilated in the spiritual sense, not in the board sense, okay? Uh, but we become his. Turn over to John chapter 3, part of this Megan read in the scripture reading earlier. John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jump down to verse 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So part of this is the words of Jesus 
16, 17, and 18, and that last verse is the words of John based on what he learned about Jesus, walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, learning from Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus. Well, John says more. Jump to uh, chapter 20. John chapter 20. You don't really have to jump there. You can just turn there or click there. That would work. If you can jump, that would be cool to see. I want to see you jump into the Bible. As long as you go in and not just on. All right, John chapter 20. Look down in verse 30. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So humanly speaking, John was Jesus' best friend on earth. Uh, John was called the disciple whom Jesus loved, and even though he's the one who called himself that, none of the other uh, apostles who were still alive, none of them refuted what John said. They all agreed with. There was a closeness to Jesus and John, so close that when John was, or when Jesus was dying, he told John, Mary is now your mom. You take care of Mary the way I would. And he said to Mary, your son is now John, and he'll take care of you the way I would. They were so close, he put John in charge of care of his mother. And later on, John would write some letters. And in 1 John 5, 13, he said, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Uh, listen to the Apostle Paul speaking to the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, 31. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. You believe and trust in him. Later, Paul would write uh, to a church in Rome and in Romans 10, 9 and 10, he says how that happens. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, it takes both, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can say a prayer and not be saved. You can have a belief and not be saved. You have to combine the belief and the prayer. The belief and the confession and commit to him and trust in him. But if you do combine your belief and your prayer, then God accepts you. He brings you into his family. Now, uh, Paul also said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for by grace, through faith, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If you could get to heaven because you were good, you could boast, I made it, you didn't, I'm good, you're not. You know, you could trash talk. God didn't want any trash talking in heaven. He made it very clear, nobody can get there on their own. Then he says, uh, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now notice, the works come after the salvation. You are saved by grace, through faith, and then you work. Salvation comes by grace through faith, receiving the gift of salvation. 
It's a gift of God, not of works. And forgiveness of sins comes by trusting Jesus Christ. And then the works come after man. You are saved by the work of Jesus Christ paying the penalty for your sins on the cross. That's what gets you saved when you trust and believe in him. But then because you are saved, there are certain works that you should do, certain things that you should pursue. But you're saved because you respond to his offer of salvation. Now, there we said heaven is a restricted place. Well, uh, look at 1 Corinthians 6. Well, I'll have it up here on the screen. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10. Do you not know? And I want you to see if you see yourself in this list. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Do you see yourself on that list anywhere? I'm pretty sure I can see you in at least one spot. Nor covetous. It's really hard for us to not be covetous, even when we work against it. But there's sometimes when somebody's had something that you wanted, and maybe you were a kid and they had a toy you wanted, and you wanted to take it away from them, and, and some adults even act like that. But, but you wanted something that you didn't have, and you longed for it, and you coveted what somebody else got. Those people will not get into heaven. But you have to look in the context of where this is said. There's more to what this says. And we're going to look at some extra words that are in here. And these are some of the most precious, amazing words in all of Scripture. Look at verse 11. We'll add verse 11. And such were some of you. But you are washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Such were some of you. Now, uh, I fit that list in a couple of different ways. I was covetous. I was a thief way back when. I was a drunkard. I was an alcoholic as a teenager. I had some real messes in my life. But such were some of you. He's writing to the church in Corinth and he's saying to these people. So probably in the church in Corinth, there were people who fit every one of these categories. There were people who fit there in some way, in some capacity, and maybe some of them did all that stuff. But they were that way. They were. They're no longer that way. Such were some of you. Uh, they were transformed by believing on and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven has only one point of entry, faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can believe anything, any kind of faith makes your life better on earth. Even if you believed in a giant marshmallow, if you have a belief that's outside yourself, it makes your life better on earth. They statistically done research. Everybody who has a faith has a better life on earth than those who do not have a faith. But a giant marshmallow can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can. The great white horse can't save you. Uh, seeking nirvana can't save you. 
Only receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior can get you into heaven. It's limited access. So, what about those who lived and died before the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus? What about them? Well, people have always been saved by following God's plan of salvation. From Adam and Eve until the resurrection of Christ, Jesus was saved by believing what God had revealed about a Redeemer, a Savior, a Messiah who would come. Look at just a couple of verses from the Old Testament. Job 19.25, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And Jesus did. And we also know he's going to do it again. And we're going to join him again. Uh, Psalm 18.46, The Lord lives, blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Uh, Psalm 119.174, I long for your salvation, O Lord. They believed and they followed. And in fact, uh, even the miserable prophet Jonah proclaimed from the belly of the fish that salvation is of the Lord. We believe God's plan of salvation. We look for it. So those people in the Old Testament and those in the Gospels who died before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that those people were looking toward the Redeemer who would come. They were longing for, looking for, trusting in. Uh, but they believed that God would send a Redeemer. They knew the Redeemer would come. They knew salvation was from the Lord. And then Jesus came. And now we're 2,000 years later. And we look back at what Jesus did. And we trust in him. And we believe in him. And we are saved. Abraham is your brother if you have trusted Christ as your Savior. You're going to spend eternity hanging out with people like that. Uh, in fact, uh, speaking specifically of Abraham, in Genesis 15, 6, it says, And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. If you read that passage of Scripture, it's God and Abraham talking together, and Abraham trusted what God said. Abraham believed God, and God therefore credited Abraham with Righteousness that comes only through belief, just as he did for the believers in Corinth, just as he does for us today. He credits us with the righteousness that we have to believing and trusting God's plan of salvation. Abraham's testimony of belief is repeated in Romans 4.3, Galatians 3.6, and even in James uh, 2.23. Now, a little side note, uh, James writes about uh, works and faith and some people get the idea that Paul and James didn't agree that Paul said you're saved by faith and James said you're saved by works well uh, you can go back uh, a message I preached August 15th uh, 2021 um, titled before or after and it explains that uh, Paul and James were actually in agreement what James was saying was saved by faith but then your works show the proof of your salvation. See, you don't get into heaven just by saying, oh, I believe, and then it doesn't change your life. If you believe something, it changes your life. For instance, if you believed there was a bomb that was about to go off in this building, you wouldn't be sitting there listening to the rest of the message. You'd be running out the door. Or you'd be making sure the other people could get out the door. And 
and you'd be encouraging people, please go out in an orderly fashion, alphabetical or no, you just <laughs> get up and go. Go out the closest door. Go, if you believe that. Now, I don't believe there is one, so it, you know, but if you did believe it, it would change your action. If you believed that fast food was going to kill you, you wouldn't go hang out in fast food restaurants unless you had a death wish. If you believed uh, that uh, car fumes were toxic uh, to just be even close to them, you wouldn't walk anywhere near the road without having a really nice respirator filter on. They are toxic, but only in large quantities. So what you believe changes the way you act. That's what James was saying. You can't say, I believe and trust in Jesus, and then not have it change your life. It will change your life. So those who believed before the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, they believed God's plan of salvation, and they were credited with the righteousness that would eventually come through Christ. What about those who die young? Those who die young and they don't have the mental capacity to repent or trust Christ. Or people who don't die young but they don't have that mental capacity. God allows some people to have great challenges in their life. But what about them? Well, when David's son died, take your Bible turn back to John 3. Uh, when David's son died, David said... Uh, can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. That's what David said. And if we look back in John chapter 3, and in verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's plan and desire was that people would believe and be saved. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. They're, they're not trusting. They're not following. Now look at verse 19. This is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. So he's saying the condemnation is when you reject the light. So I believe there is an age of accountability or a time of accountability. And if somebody dies without having the capacity to believe and trust on Jesus, I believe they will be in heaven because they have not rejected. Now, please listen carefully, okay? The Bible never says there is an age of accountability. That phrase is not mentioned in scripture. But I think it's consistent with what David said he can't come back to me, but I can go to him. I think it's consistent with what Jesus said. They're condemned when they reject the light that they are given. And so I also think it's consistent with the character and nature of God, the Father, as he has revealed himself in Scripture. 
So Romans 1 teaches that everyone receives two lights. You have the light of conscience and the light of creation. And everybody has those lights, and it's when they reject those lights, and they reject the conscience that God has put in them, and they reject the creation as the evidence of God, that's when they are condemned. And so somebody without the mental capacity to understand Somebody such as an infant or a young child or somebody with severe challenges in their life, then they cannot accept or reject the revelation of God. They don't have the capacity to do that. So those who reject are the ones who are judged. In uh, Genesis 18.25, Abraham asked, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, the very clear answer in scripture is yes, he will. So when Kathy and I had our first baby die, we believe we'll see that baby in heaven someday. Uh, never got to enjoy life on earth like we have with our other kids. Never had the heartaches who our other kids gave us either at times. Uh, but you know what? I believe they'll be okay. Can I point to chapter and verse where God says, they're fine, they're covered because they didn't reach the age of accountability. No, but based on putting together some of the things in Scripture and seeing how they fit together, I believe those who die young or do not have the mental capacity to repent and trust Christ, I believe they will be in heaven because God punishes those who reject. Okay? What about those who've never heard of Jesus? Today, there's people around the world who've never heard of Jesus. I have heard, I don't know where the study was, but, but I have heard that more people in the world recognize the name Coca-Cola than recognize the name Jesus Christ. Um, heaven has only one point of entry. You must trust and follow Jesus Christ. So are these that have never heard of him, are they then summarily excluded from heaven? No chance, because they never heard? Well, let's throw another verse up here. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God rewards those who diligently seek him. So, um, Kathy and I had a missionary friend, and uh, they were in her house, and were telling a story, and she... Um, was driving out on a dark road. Not dark like Casa Grande darkness, but I mean dark, like no street lights, nothing. Out in the middle of nowhere, dark light, she's driving along in her car, and all of a sudden her car died. She's miles from anywhere before cell phones, but even if cell phones had existed then, she wouldn't have had a tower anywhere near her because she's out in the wilderness area. And she was driving home, and her car just died. And she's sitting in the car, and she's praying, Oh, God, please let my car start so I can get home. And all of a sudden, while she's sitting there praying, her eyes closed, thinking and praying, somebody bangs on her car window. She has a, just a moment of panic. And then this guy tries to speak to her, and he's in tribal dress. And he tries to speak to her. She can't quite understand him. So she 
puts the window down. Back in the old days, you know, you had to crank the window down and roll it down, and, and it's your window still worked even when the car was not on back in the good old days, you know. And and so she cracks the window down a little bit so she can hear him. And he says, are you the one that should come? I don't know what's going on here. She said, I don't understand. He said, are you the one that should come? She said, can you give me more information? And he said, I was praying to the God of the stars and asking him to reveal himself to me. And he, he told me to be here on this night. And one would come who would show me the way. Are you the one that should come? And she said, yes, I am. And she told him about Jesus. And he believed. And he gave her directions and instructions to go to his village. And she and her husband then went to that village. And they got a thriving church started. Because one who was seeking God was rewarded by God. Because he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Today in the Muslim world, there are many people who can't read, which is ironic. Back in the day, the Muslim world had the best libraries in the world. And now many of their people are not educated, not even taught to read and write. And so in the Muslim world, they don't have access to the Bible. Even if they had a Bible, they wouldn't know what it said. But across Muslim nations, there are thousands of people who are having a vision of Jesus Christ in a white robe coming and talking to them and encouraging them to trust and follow him. In fact, Christians are now running ads that say, if you've seen the vision of the man in the white robe, we can help. And people are going there saying, I saw him. What do I need to do? And they're hearing the truth and trusting Christ. God rewards those who are seeking him. Now, if they would believe the light of conscience, the light of creation, then God will give more revelation until they receive enough revelation they can put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's our job to tell people about Jesus Christ. God tells people in large part through people just like you and me. You know, when when uh, Cornelius was praying and he had a vision from an angel, the angel said, go talk to Peter. He'll tell you how to be saved. And we need to believe on and trust in Jesus Christ. That's our job to share. It. It's our job to faithfully support missions to um, support people who serve here and around the world. It's our job to show his great love for them and then to share his truth. It's your job and my job to pray for people. Jesus felt it worth every sacrifice to come here so that people could be saved. The Apostle Paul thought it was worth any sacrifice to share God's truth with people. Heaven is a restricted place for believers only. Only believers will be there. We need to do our part of making sure people have an opportunity to believe. But every believer will be there. Everyone 
who's ever believed in God's salvation all the way back from Adam and Eve, who probably didn't even know the name of Jesus, but they knew that a redeemer, the seed of the woman, would come, and they looked for that. And everyone now who looks back on Jesus, and we see there's the redeemer, Job said, I know my Redeemer lives, and we can say, yes, your Redeemer did live. His name was Jesus, and he still lives, and he will be on the earth again with us. Every believer will be there. Those who do not believe will not be there. They will be in a place the Bible describes as hell, a place of fire, a place of torment, place of suffering, place of agony, where there is no relief. So we need to do our part to encourage people to trust and follow Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.